Hey everybody, and welcome to Well Said, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's podcast, where we talk with students, faculty, and staff about what's going on on campus and around the world. And today we're talking with artist and Carolina alumnus, Patrick Doherty. Since graduating from Carolina, you've made a name for yourself as a stick sculptor, creating these incredible designs with just sticks. Let's start today by asking the question that I'm sure you've been asked a hundred times. Why sticks? Why is this the medium that you've chosen? You know, artists always do what they want to do, and then they make up the the reasons why later, and that's certainly true with stick sculptures. I think that as a child, I found sticks as a easy material to work with when we were playing and making forts, and oftentimes childhood gives you an inkling about materials that you might make later, use later if you're a sculptor. How did you develop the style of creating such unique pieces with just sticks? Well, you know, I returned back to the university to do some postgraduate work in the early 80s. I was still here in North Carolina. I had just built a log cabin. I lived in the really out in the woods and near White Cross. And so, you know, it was a natural extension of the work that I was doing to start thinking about working with sticks. So that the inception of the thing really began here while I was at the art department and at UNC. I got a lot of good help and a lot of good advice. And slowly but surely, I started developing a, an idea about something I could use as a material for as a sculptor. So your sculptures are pretty hard to miss. They're usually pretty big structures that people can walk in and out of. Why do you focus on making such large-scale art? Well, you know, I like working life-size. I like working as big as myself. Since I kind of had a problem with drawing and, and even writing, went to Catholic school, and they tried to change me from being a left-hander. And so I've, I've got a bit of shyness about putting things down on paper. But working large and working with all these lines, you know, since I think of this as a big drawing, uh, really it's kind of a full-body activity. You're using your whole body to bend and form lines. And for me, that was a way of, of extending drawing from the paper onto uh, three-dimensional objects. And it also is just seems so right. So everyone has got a scale at which they feel comfortable working. It just so happens that my scale is a bit larger. And as the time goes on, you know, you're asked to work in different places, and you can't make insignificant work in a bigger spot. You know, it, sometimes, as you conceive it, you think that you needed something huge, and then you find yourself scaling it back as you're working. And sometimes you realize the full measure of that space, take the full flavor of it, and you think, oh, wait, I'm, I'm, adequ- I'm inadequately small. You know, I've got to beef it up. So working on site does allow you to adjust your scale. But scale is an important part of doing things and making a level of credibility in a big public space. You've recently completed a new sculpture right outside the Ackland Art Museum. What is this sculpture and what inspired the design? Well, often I arrive without knowing exactly what I'm going to do. Partly is that I have to find out who's going to work for me, and then we have to figure out what the materials are going to be, because obviously if you have only short sticks, you can only build a short stick thing. So we were able to gather from the Triangle Land Conservancy. They have a piece of property that uh, on they mow on a three-year cycle, so that produced a lot of gum, little gum trees. Also, Duke Forest has been very generous with letting me gather within the forest there. They have a lot of logging sites, and so oftentimes we want to go in and take things out that 
that really just don't count, that they may be even taking out themselves. So we look for a good place to gather. And we've got all this material over to the over to the Ackland. We had leaves on it, so we've had a cadre of people working on pulling the leaves, which is kind of an onerous task, but we've been foraging ahead. But what I liked when I looked through the collection at the Ackland is that they have some animal pouring vessels is what they call them. They come from distant times in Iran and Iraq and the Babylonian era and a Fertile Crescent. And so these vessels usually have some kind of an animal head that you pour water or oil or something out of, and then they have a, a kind of regular top that looks more like a piece of pottery. So I like the idea of having a kind of a mixed shape, you know, that you'd have an animal body and also a pot that you're carrying water in and urn something. So uh, I found one that I really loved in their collection, and it's a kind of a bird that has water come out its mouth. And we took that as a model and then looked up some more pieces. Sometimes they're funerary, and we chose seven of them, and then we're playing that kind of a greenware menagerie. We say, you can name your pet along the front of the building. What's the process when you're building these giant stick sculptures? Well, first let me say, when I was at UNC, I, I actually worked with clay early on, and I was a bit dissatisfied with the scale. I wasn't really able to work large enough. But there's a big connection between clay and stick work because early pottery and so forth was actually formed up by packing it on the outside of baskets. So there is a weaving history to making clay pots eventually. You know, I thought uh, I'd make some kind of a different kind of greenware, which is a kind of a leather hard pottery type thing and use real sticks as a basic building material to work with. So I I started trying to form up how you would work with sticks. I had to figure out what birds and beavers and other natural shelter builders know is that sticks have an inherent method of joining and that tangling allows you to hook things together. In terms of building big things, we have a kind of a process, or I have a kind of a process now of working with with the materials and producing an object. The first is to work structurally. If you have a building or if you're working in trees, it's easy to start your sticks in the limbs or maybe in a railing. But if you're working just plain out in the middle of a field or in the front of a yard, my technique has been to dig holes and put bigger pieces down in there, kind of structural pieces, big sticks, really. I set a scaffolding around the outside of those things, and then I pull the shape that I want. So if I want something to lean over precipitously or stand up straight or bend back or look like it's doing flips, I have to establish that in the structural phase. I work on top of that blank and go different directions and and kind of make a blank. And so it's it's a little bit like making a canvas and then drawing on it because my second phase is really an appliquing a look onto the surface of the piece. And in that way, you're kind of really working at making a drawing. And finally, there's a cosmetic phase of fixing the piece up and making it habitable so that the folks can go in it. And that's really also kind of erasing because if you have some inconsistencies in your surfaces that you don't like, you just put some small sticks over there and block them. You've mentioned working with volunteers as you build these sculptures. 
and anybody seeing the build process outside Ackland has seen a handful of people always working with you. Why is it important for you to bring these local volunteers into your artistic process? Well, of course, it's hard to hate a sculpture if your neighbors are working on it. So the, there's an aspect of, of ownership when different people get to you know, work on it. But also, it humanizes the experience of, of building sculpture. People have a lot of, of different myths about sculptors and sculpture. And you know, I think if, as people walk up and down the street during the three weeks of construction and they see who they imagine normal people out there working on it, then it seems like a more normal activity. It seems like, you know, it's it's an activity directed towards building a, an illusion and, and creating a kind of an aesthetic. And, and you want people to, you want to engage people's imagination. You want to stir them up. And so, you know, just regular people are doing that. I mean, it, as it comes together, it becomes a more significant piece. It just starts out as just, sticks from the woods but as you conjure your illusion then it becomes stronger and stronger and becomes a much more credible piece and really in terms of why I like to have work with volunteers is it's just interesting we have a lot of characters that get, sign up to work for us so we just finished working in Montana and you know Montana is full of cowboys and and old coots and really interesting people so we had a lot of, of different kinds of people working on the the sculpture there. And similarly, we've got a number of people here, uh, students and volunteers from town and some of the board members from the Ackland and the staff has been pulled into into the full mix. So I, we've had a, a quite a good crew over there. So your current piece is on display outside the front doors of Ackland, but inside the museum, there's a ton of art that has been around for a really long time. Unlike all of those pieces of art, Yours is not really built to last. Do you think that temporary nature of your art is something that makes it special? Well, and, you know, I do temporary work, and I've only done work that's temporary. I know it seems at odd with the the normal way of making sculpture, but, you know, for me, I I think it intensifies the viewing process, and it really brings people around to the most essential reason that art is made in the sense that it's how it makes you feel not what you can sell it for later. There's a way of it reinvesting the viewing with a, 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 you know, a, a credibility thing it should be. But I also think that life cycles are important. And as people have become more interested in the natural world, they're being been more willing to accept temporary work in the sense that it's, it's work that has, it's like a flower bed. You know, you have it, it has its best day and then it becomes, you know, less and becomes a bit more disheveled and tangled. So this work is pretty good for two years. You get one great year, one pretty good year, and then, you know, sticks have their life. You finished your sculpture at the end of October, and now it's on full display outside the Ackland Art Museum, right by Franklin Street and right by where students are walking all the time. What do you want this sculpture to bring to the Carolina community? Well, I think that's the best it's the best spot for sculpture in the whole town. All the, it's a nexus of all the roads and a lot of university activity and activity that comes to the university from town. So that corner is a very pivotal spot. It gives a lot of viewing. So, of course, we have to be Johnny on the spot and make something that's really good so that we can captivate people. As it turns out, as people have walked up and down the sidewalk, we're we're getting a certain acclaim, so I, I suspect we're on the right track. 
you know, always a, uh, a good sculpture is one that causes lots of personal associations in the viewer. So not only they, they might see something from their collection, like a bird pouring vessel, but they also might see a bird nest that they have just seen outside their house. Or maybe it looks a lot like an indigenous tribe, or maybe reminds you of the childhood play under the lilac bush or your first kiss in a forest. So, you know, there's a lot of ways. Uh, people love simple shelter. And so that's what the allure of the childhood fort is. But it could be along a river in Germany where somebody took all their old worn-out windows and make themselves a little place to sit in their garden. So uh, you can find all over the world and duck blinds and hunting lodges and hunting stands and all these things are kind of like little simple shelters, little hovels where you can go and just kind of dream a bit. Having gone to Carolina, what's it like to see your art on full display on this campus? Well, it's a, I think it's an honor to come back and work for the Ackland and, and be able to work in their front yard and, and kind of show how much the a simple idea can develop over a 35-year career. You know, I've been able to work all over the world and uh, worked extensively throughout the United States. You wouldn't think that uh, if you didn't go to New York, you couldn't have you couldn't have succeeded. However, that would mean that I wouldn't have had the opportunity of working in all these great communities, uh, having great volunteers from many places throughout the United States. And it's just been a big pleasure. I've had a fantastic career. And um, I hope people will pursue sculpture and painting and drawing, even if they don't do it as a career. You know, maybe they can get the great pleasure in making that I have. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. And don't forget to check back to unc.edu next week for another episode of Well Said or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Android apps.